This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Flat Out Farno, you're Laddie H, host of Flat Out Pride on your Free FM dial. If you're a Waikato local with an idea for your own show, Free FM would love to hear from you. Check out our website, freefm.org.nz, or find Free FM on Facebook and get in touch. Nomai Harimai Ki Kelly from the Tron kicking off this week's podcast with Rhea Hall. My Heidi Makey Kelly from the Tron. Um, that was cause and effect from Rhea Hall's 2020 album Manawa Weta. 
Uh, Manawa Wera is a project that has been created with the intention of ensuring and upholding the mana of Aotearoa reggae. Um, and was inspired by 1970s reggae and soul. Now, you can actually hear Rhea Hall at, um, here in the Tron tonight, Friday the 26th of March at Manawa Wera, a Hamilton Gardens Arts Festival performance and a conversation as well with her at the Harkness Henry's Emporium from 8.30pm tonight. That will be a good one. Uh, Kelly from the Tron is a weekly free film radio show and podcast with news, views, events and music curated for the good people like you living in Kirikiriroa, Hamilton. Ko te rāmeri tēnei rā, rua te kōmārima o hui tanguru. Uh, Napitupitu kōrero tēnei. Um, the local electoral Māori wards and Māori constituencies amendment bill um, has passed its third and final reading in Parliament this week. Um, which means that the public can no longer veto a council's decision to introduce Māori wards by instigating a poll with 5% of uh, the population of that council. Uh, at the moment, nine councils have already decided to establish Māori wards um, in time for the 2022 local elections, um, and they'll be joining three other, only three other councils who have already got Māori wards, including the Wakato Regional Council, so great for the Regional Council there. Uh, 24 have tried in the past but failed, which is really quite miserable. So, uh, which leaves us with other councils like Te Konehero or Kirikiriro or the Hamilton City Council having until the 21st of May 2021 to decide whether or not they will implement Māori wards in time for next year's election. Uh, at the moment, uh, my understanding is that the council haven't formally met to kōrero about this, uh, which is kind of surprising for me. It's not like it was a surprise that this was going to come up, but uh, never mind. Uh, they will do that in turn, and my understanding is that they will then go out to the public for consultation um, as part of a, a part of a review for that. Uh, Māori wards will improve the democratic representation of our Māori communities and this can only be a good thing. I guess if we look at it like Māori, uh, we have a general ward for the, uh, you know, the, the, I don't want to say national elections, the <laughs> central government elections. Um, and you've got the Māori Ward. Uh, Māori Ward is formed with the people on the Māori electoral roll. So this will be uh, very similar but for uh, for councils. Um, and so I, I also kind of think of it as being um, like a pie. So when we hear, <laughs> just because when we hear people say, um, you know, that it's a, a bad thing to introduce these, these wards, um, I think it's really important to remember that the implementation of Māori wards isn't taking away from anybody, uh, quite the contrary. It's uh, doing the opposite by um, a... Uh, a additional voice for Māori at those decision-making tables. Um, so it's making sure that um, Māori perspective is present in the council chamber and all decision-making. And that we know will be increasingly... I mean, it should should always have been this way, let's face it. Uh, but we know that it's an increasingly important um, viewpoint uh, and mind view and uh, to have around the table. 
um, and it will lead to better council processes and outcomes because Māori knowledge and perspectives are, are beneficial uh, and I think most particularly, and I mean it would be across the board, but when we're talking about things like land use, we are facing um, a climate crisis or we are in a climate crisis and a Māori view on um the right approach to managing our land and our soil and our air and um, how we treat our uh, the ancestors of Maunga and Awa well, it, it's critical in those decision making uh, and also when we're looking at local businesses if we're looking at economies we can see that Maori business is a huge growing area which is awesome kapai uh, and when we're looking at tourism as well and the protection of um, our vulnerable communities um, so we need to have those Maori voices at the table now, it would have been beneficial for the Manawatu Whanganui Regional Council to have a Māori, more Māori voice at the table because this week they apologised to Hapu, uh, Ngāti Tuera and Ngāti Hinaro, uh, who are uh, Whanganui River Hapu because they granted a resource consent that saw part of their ancestral maunga bulldozed uh, at Puna Kefetu. And so having... Um, a, a larger Māori voice around the table would have uh, stopped that from happening and the devastation that that has caused for those hapu. A Māori voice around the table would have also been useful the, for the Whakatane District Council who are being challenged as we speak, and rightly so, by hapu who say a proposed development or retirement village on land that uh, is land is sorry is on land that they consider to be wahutapu and adjacent to an urupa. Uh, so again, Māori voice around that table at an earlier date would have been useful. Would have also have been useful for the Wakato District Council, but we have good news and an update here for you from Protect Pokiahua. Um, and I'm basically just going to read from their page, but if you want to know a little bit more about uh, the kaupapa and the background to this and also the vision that Ngāte Tōmai Nūpō uh, have for um, for that whenua, south of Ngāroa Wahia, um, you can listen to my interview with Kimai Huirama, who is the chair of the hapu, um, in a recent podcast. You'll find that on uh, Spotify or iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, so I'll, I'll read from their page, so I'm not... Um, so exciting news, Fano. Uh, we have recently been informed of the decision from a hearing at the Wakato District Council a few weeks ago on day 267 of that campaign. The decision made by the commissioner is to cancel the consent granted to Pergilus to ex oh, sorry, Pergilus is actually Perry Developments. I'm not sure why it's a different name to excavate the whenua at Pukiahua Pa. Um, this exca excavation was an important first step. Oh, sorry, uh, in preparing the whenua to be built, uh, which is obviously not something that they want to happen. So the commissioner is cancelling that resource consent granted. The commissioner cancelled the consent in line with the RMA, or Resource Management Act, for the reasons of uh, Ngāti Tamanupo, this perspective not being mentioned in the application for consent, and the earthworks consent not recognising the connection of Ngāti Tamanupo with the whenua. Uh, to be recognised as hapu, we must act as a hapu. Nothing supersedes our people, our combined presence outside and inside the hearing on the day and the public knowledge and totoko of our ongoing Protect Pukiahua campaign made a difference in a system that is not geared to serve Māori. Uh, for those of you who came along and could totoko us in any way, thank you. This is our win. On the 294th day, it is very humbling to receive this outcome and recognition.
To be real, to be realistic about what this means, this doesn't mean that hapu lands are back in hapu hands yet, but it means that the consent to continue destructing our wahi tapu and beginning to um, beginning building must now be put on hold and Nati Tumano Po be recognised as hapu who must be consulted with in regards to this whenua, and this is a step closer to ensuring its safety. Mode order. So that's uh, an update from uh, Protect Pukiahua. So great news for that campaign and everybody involved in that this week. The moral of the story, Vano, uh, the Māori wards will benefit all of us by making sure Māori voices are at the table at the start and not after a decision has been made. Māori atanga te whenua who did not give up sovereignty of their people. Which makes moves towards a Māori health authority a great call. Earlier, earlier this week, there's been a call to action and a call for equity. Uh, there was a 2,300-strong signature petition calling on the government to accept recommendations of a Māori health authority this week in Parliament, received by uh, the Māori Party, um, I believe. The recommendation had come from New Zealand Health and Disability System Review or the Heather Simpson Report, which we heard about last week on the podcast when I spoke to Dr. Gurdjieff Sharma, who's the MP for Hamilton West. Um, They were tasked with investigating unfairness, uh, uh, inequitable access to health and outcomes as well. Um, And it's also in line with the Waitangi Tribunal calls for an independent Māori Health Board. Associate Health Minister for Māori Health, Pene Henare, has already expressed his ambition to establish it. Uh, Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern at Waitangi uh, also said she supported it. So we are just waiting to see uh, and to make sure that it will be independent and that it will be resourced. Um, But kind of speaking of waiting, uh, there have been improvements, but we still have work to do, according to Jacinda. We're sorry about the sarcasm. When the child poverty report was released this week, uh, all measures of child poverty were trending downwards prior to COVID-19, which sounds like good news. One in 11 Pākehā children are living in material hardship. One in five Māori are living in material hardship. And one in four Pacifica children are living in material hardship. So disabled children and children in households where someone is disabled were more likely to be in poverty. And this is all according to Statistics New Zealand. Um, And nearly one in five disabled children live in material hardship, which is more than double the rate of non-disabled children, which is uh, appalling. Children's Commissioner Andrew Beecroft Oh, said it's plainly unacceptable in a quote civilised community nevertheless, uh, nevertheless the trends are enduring this is stuff that we already know um, and the Child Poverty Action Group and actually the Welfare Expert Advisory Group and pretty much everyone who does research and like understands facts say we urgently need the government to raise income support um, significantly and we're looking at about 12 to 47 um, percent um, and that the government also needs a multi-pronged approach to tackling the housing crisis, uh, crisis, which will see them do bits and pieces as they feel like it, is how it feels at the moment. But according to budgeting services in Auckland, for example, the average family of four has $39 left for food after bills are paid each week. So how much food can you buy for $39? Um, And this is why we have increased demand for food assistance, grants and food parcels. It's all up. And we know that it's even more so since COVID. So the um, the Child Poverty Report took into account up until that period, but uh, doesn't show how much worse we are 
after COVID or and um, yeah, the, the you know we talk about uh, the economy recovering, but there are still people who that's actually that's not even a thing. It's not even not even happening. And this is why I advocate f- uh, for a lift in livable incomes, which has benefit levels and a living wage. But on another note, uh, Waka Kotahi, the New Zealand Transport Agency, has overspent its current three-year budget and has already committed 90% of its revenue for the 2021-24 to funding period. What that means for us here in Kirikiriroa is that the proposed eastern pathways for schools and commuters in Hamilton East may not get the go-ahead with Hamilton City Council funding contingent on Waka Kotahi coming to the party. And um, the HEC have proposed $38 million as part of its draft long-term plan, which we will be consulted on next month. And we'll be talking about a lot about that in March. Um, but if you're keen to see more biking in the city, come to Love Your Bike Day, Sunday 10 till 12 p.m. And that's the 28th of February. It's a really fun day, particularly for kids. Uh, but come along and uh, Go Eco will be there and we can have a corridor about um, how we might uh, make sure that that funding and the investment in cycling and pedestrian infrastructure uh, remains. Uh, it's been a long time coming for the city and the Hamiltonians are the most uh, car car addicted uh, city um, and it's really just not the way of the future and actually a lot of us could do it all, you know. A little bit of exercise. Uh, Yeah. So anyway, cycling is the way to go. We need to get this in place. We have to stop dumping money into roads. But now, time for some more music. Um, So that was our news for the day. We're going to come back to some of the events that are happening around the city. And there was so much going on, like almost an overwhelming amount. Happens every time about the end of Feb, start of March. I start to feel this way. Calendar's very full, but it's very exciting. Multi-talented, multi-instrumentalist songwriter Emily Adroza from uh, formerly of Street Chant recently returned to Aotearoa from Los Angeles. During her time in LA, she crafted some beautifully personal songs. Her music weaves together threads of garage rock, proto and post-punk and psychedelic pop to make something that's entirely her own and it's according to Northern Transmission, a US publication. The songs have uh, become her latest album release. Uh, from that album, Another Way Coming, which was released out last year. We've got a track right now for you called Drinking During the Day. You're listening to Kelly from the Tron on Free FM 
Emily Adroza and I'll tell you where you can catch more of Emily Adroza very shortly. Um, before that we had um, news from around the Motu uh, for this week. Now I'll go through some of the events that are happening as I mentioned before that track. There's a lot going on um, but I do hope that you're enjoying the Hamilton Gardens Arts Festival. Um, I got went to go, to, uh, I did go to the Tammy Nielsen and Friends um, headline event which was the last Saturday and that was awesome as she always is. It was also very cool to see the trend with, uh in that lineup and on stage with her, loved that um, and last night I took Ella along who's nine by the way, just so you know um, it's suitable for all ages to Hoodie Hoodie um, Hoodie Hoodie is a wheel or um, yes, kind of uh, a wheel <laughs> It's a, um, but it is a dance performance um, which uh, in, uh, incorporates hip hop and kapahaka and um, some aerial acrobatics. It's very, very cool. I don't want to give too much away, but I really enjoyed it. I hadn't seen anything uh, like that. Kind of reminded me of Stomp a little, if you've been to a Stomp performance, uh, but but different. Definitely an Aotearoa flavour to that. Um, and there was... Um, it featured Te Pō Tafiri, which is uh, very cool. Um, and I don't know a lot about uh, kapahaka. Well, actually, I know nothing. <laughs> I should. I know nothing about kapahaka, but I do know that Te Pō Tafiri was originally set up by uh, Te Pui Herangi to uh, help to fundraise for Tūranga Waiwai Marae, which is very, very cool. Um, so I recommend um, heading along to Huri Huri. There are two performances left, 6 and 8 o'clock. Um, on the 26th of February at the Rhododendron Lawn. As I said, it's it's great for kids as well. It's about $12 for adults and about $7 for kids, I think. Um, the last day of the festival is on Sunday, and there's still heaps to, to head out, um, head in and check out. I'm off to the Two Gentlemen of Verona tonight for a complete change in pace, which is a slip of the tongue's uh, summer Shakespeare performance. Um, but there are other short things to do, and um, I will definitely be heading out, even if you're just heading into the festival hub to listen to some live music and have um, some kai from the food trucks. Definitely that's a thing to do. Love Your Bike Days, this Sunday, the 28th of February, 10 to 12. It's a really cool event for the kids in particular with obstacle courses, competitions, prizes. Um, there's also an opportunity to talk about cycling infrastructure if that's your jam. 
Um, March 6th, though, is a massive day for Kitty Kitty Roa. We've got Children's Day happening, which includes Free FM's Chalk Fest. Uh, we've got Boone Street Art Festival, with, uh, and this year it's Mana Wahine, uh, in honour of um, the International Women's Day on Monday, March the 8th. There is Girl Fest happening next weekend. It's a three-day multimedia arts festival to celebrate female and non-gender conforming talent uh, for International Women's Day. Friday the 5th of March at Never Project Space is an exhibition called Work and a performance from Jade P. Friday the 8th, uh, sorry, Friday the 5th, 8pm, Girl Fest Cabaret Variety Show at Biddy Mulligan's. Saturday the 6th, there's a Boone stage at Liverpool Street. Again, that's uh, some live music while people are painting amazing stuff on our walls. Um, on Saturday the 6th, we've got Girl Fest Basement Stage at Navarra Lounge from 8pm. And Sunday session from 1pm, obviously on Sunday the 7th, at Bureaucracy Brewery, Brewery and Tap Room. That would be very cool as well. We've got Soulwave Outdoor Music Concert, so you can bring some snacks, some dinner, meet your friends and family and enjoy some free live music outside at the beautiful Victoria on the River, which is overlooking the Waikato River. You'll hear Guardian Singles, Emily Adroza, who you just heard, and Pilkata, that's 6 to 8.30pm. Again, Victoria on the River next Saturday night. And Pechacucha. Pichikucha Nights are where Hamiltonians tell their stories, share their ideas or latest projects while projecting 20 images over 6 minutes, 40 seconds each. For this International Women's Day, we'll have six women presenting, some who you know, some who you may not yet. We've got Sandra Jensen, Natalie Swartz, uh, Mary Ann Murphy, Amanda Wright and Pamela Aristella um, and Tasneem Samakhan. So it's a free event, um, great opportunity to hear stories from fellow Hamiltonians, 8.40pm, Saturday, March the 6th at VOTR, directly after Sawwave. Whoa. Uh, Voices of Women, this International Women's Day, you're invited to hear from an epic panel of women who will discuss the 2021 International Women's Day theme, Choose to Challenge. First, we'll hear from guest speaker, Equal Employment Opportunities Commissioner, Dr. Karanina Somio, to talk about the gender and ethnic pay gap. Then local women um, are on a panel to talk about the things that they would like for us to challenge. And we've invited Rana Arif, Joe Wrigley and Hannah Hugan for that. It's a koha entry, but please register via Eventbrite. That's the Voices of Women Choose to Challenge, 5.30pm, Monday the 8th of March at the Meteor Theatre. Finally, you've still got a little bit of time to have your say on Hepo Manawa Ora, a well-being strategy based on the analogy of four pillars of well-being, history, restoration, unity and prosperity. You'll find out more about that on the Hamilton City Council website. But that's it for me for this week. Last week on the podcast, we had Dr. Gurav Sharma, Hamilton West MP for the Labour Party, to join us about his three priorities. Um, healthcare, housing and transport. The week before that, we spoke to Waikato Regional Councillor Jennifer Nicol on climate action and you can find those on podcast platforms or on my social media, Kelly from the Tron. Kia ora mototoku. Thank you for joining in. Uh, thank you for your support. Mahi to Free FM for providing a platform for independent community media in the Waikato. Tui nā reo o te hapori.
more episodes, use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices, or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio, or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.